Welcome to the NOI Podcast, uncovering the path to successful real estate investing. I'm your host, Brent Farkas. On this show, we do a deep dive into uncovering the keys to successfully investing in real estate. You will learn from industry rock stars and thought leaders specializing in large multifamily syndications to furnished short-term rentals and everything in between. Whether you are a seasoned investor operator looking to scale or a first-time investor looking to create passive income through real estate, this podcast is for you. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you will be notified of future episodes. Let's get to it. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the NOI Podcast. I have a very special guest this week, really cool story. I have Hirsch Rye with me today. Hey man, welcome to the show. Hey Brent, thanks so much for having me on, man. It's a pleasure and I'm excited to uh, get this conversation started. Yeah, this is awesome. You have a really cool story and I'm amazed how young you are and all that you've accomplished so far. So I want to get into that at the age of 23. I'm pretty uh, pretty jealous of that. But uh, I was looking at some info on you and I was amazed that, that you are a cryptologic warfare officer in the U.S. Navy. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. I commissioned back in May of 2019 as a cryptologic warfare officer and I'm actually in the middle of my move out to Hawaii to work uh, in a role out there. So pretty stoked. Man, that's amazing. Can you tell me more about cryptologic warfare real quick? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, you know, without getting into yeah, too much too much detail, of the weeds, the, yeah. Yeah, the 30,000 level foot view is basically it's cyber offensive defense work. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much the sum of it, right? Most of the information is kept uh, secret, as they say, or, yeah. you know, need to know. So That's amazing. Wow. So you're saying you're on your way to moving to Hawaii? Yes, sir. I'll be on the island of Oahu, um, stationed over in Kunin, So Cryptologic. I love that word. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Well, it's let's a mouthful. Talk, yeah. Well, <laughs> let's talk about your journey in, in real estate, obviously, and super excited to hear about your first closing, maybe a little bit of your history, how you kind of got interested in real estate investing, and then also your first deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start at the very beginning? Yeah, or? yeah. Tell me a little bit about your background and kind of what, uh, you know, do you have parents in real estate? How'd you kind of get interested in investing? Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a great question. So, you know, like I mentioned, I graduated from Annapolis, uh, you know, back in 2019. And I basically had the opportunity to come to graduate school right after. So, you know, I was still in the academic mindset, you know, coming from that summer into the fall uh, of 19 at, at Purdue to get my master's. And, you know, coming from a service academy over to, you know, a civilian institution, you realize that you have a lot more time on your hands, right? It's a lot more of a self-dictated schedule than a, a military routine every day. And I realized that I had a lot more time on my hands than I knew what to do with. So, you know, I had questions of, you know, what do I do with my free time? Do I, I'm just going to over-research? Do I work out 55 times a day? <laughs> so I decided, you know, I'm going to start focusing on personal finance and investing. You know, I always had a niche for it or a knack for it, you know, yeah. going through undergrad. I, I did some traditional investments, you know, stuff with uh, IRA and stocks. And I decided, you know, that... I wanted to f focus more so on alternative investing. So, you know, like any other real estate investor, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Yep. The Purple oh, yeah. Bible, as yeah, they yeah. say. That's right. And, uh, you know, had a mindset shift. And, you know, I was like, you know, let's hop into real estate and started to go on bigger pockets, realized I was in the Midwest in the heart. So yeah. I was, you know, looking into student rentals at Purdue, you know, that fell through due to, you know, extremely low cap rates for student housing, at, yeah. you know, these major college towns and, you know, decided to go to Indianapolis along with my partner, Nicholas Vu and, um, that's how the journey got started, just attending meetups, educating and starting to network. And, you know, coronavirus was, you know, both, you know, definitely 
a curse, but you know, a blessing in the sense that I got to connect with so many different people and operators who you normally might not be able to connect with just due to, you know, distance from, you know, yourself and, you know, not having the access to the, uh, or as much as the normality of, you know, Zoom or phone call might be. So, so that was 2019, and is that right? 2019 is kind of when you started actively looking? Yeah, so in the fall of 2019, I really started diving deep down into real estate. You yeah. know, I didn't really look for deals. It was looking more for, you know, mentorship and learning opportunities, yeah. you know, informal mentorship, you know, learning from operators, what they've done. I honestly didn't know what a syndication yeah, was I hear until, you, you know, October when I attended my first multifamily meetup in Indianapolis. But, you know, I started to do a lot more deal sourcing and underwriting, uh, you know, when an operator and a mentor of mine and Colby Bowers, who's with Veteran Pride, mm-hmm. uh, brought Nick and I on and decided to teach us, you know, what he's done. And, you know, we helped him, you know, grow and he helped us grow. And, you know, that that allowed us to do our first deal uh, and get get it under contract back in October. And we just recently closed. So, Pretty stoked. Yeah, let's talk about that deal. So, what type of property is it? Yeah, so it's a it's a small multifamily. It's about sixteen units. It's located in Avon, Indiana, uh, which is an A class neighborhood, and it's a C class asset built in the sixties. Uh, the current owners were actually two owners that we had met at the Indianapolis multifamily meetup. So we knew them really well. And we knew the listing brokers pretty well as well. And you know, having that direct relationship definitely helped. Hmm. You know, in us getting the deal over set other groups. And, you know, it's a classic value add deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you're able to tighten the efficiencies with some of the expenses by building back utilities, increasing the bottom line with, you know, interior and exterior cosmetic renovations, you know, bringing in professional third party management. You know, the former owners were self uh, managing and they did a really great job. But, you know, being out of state owners, we, you know, want to have that third party yeah. uh, professional management uh, in place. So, that's about, about the deal, you know. Talk a little bit about the challenges of the stages of getting their first deal with, you know, being new and, you know, did you fight any battles with having less experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, experience is a huge part of it. Yeah. And, you know, to get into this business, Brent, you know, as you probably know, it's it takes one to know one, right? You know, yeah. you want to find someone that you can, you know, quote unquote, add value to, right? You know, be able to contribute something to their business that they will be able to bring back to you, right? The more you give, the more you get. So, you know, we found adding value to Colby, you know, having a track record and being able to execute and close on deals really helped us solidify a position at the table, right? You know, like they say, if you don't have a seat at the table, make one. So, you know, we had sourced the deal, we had underwritten the deal, you know, between Nick and I, we had gone and walked the property, you know, two or three times without anyone else there, you know, except for the sellers and the uh, brokers. But you know, we had done a lot of work and spent a lot of time really analyzing this deal. Mm. And, you know, experiences aside, we we did a, a traditional joint venture partnership with two other partners um, off the West Coast. And, you know, we connected with those guys on Meetup. So, you know, we ended yeah. up, quote unquote, sourcing the capital per se for the deal. And, you know, Colby just brought his experience and is going to be assisting on the asset management side. But, I mean... We, we had other deals under contract before, to be hmm. honest with you. Okay. We had, yeah, we, we had deals back in August that we were looking at. You know, one owner was just too shifty on price, so we never agreed on terms. But one of them, we did a full DD cycle, and we learned, you know, the hard way, you know, wow. typical slumlording. And yeah. a lot of those lessons transcended into this closing and what we didn't want to happen for this one. Um, you know, that had happened previously. Yeah. So. What about those fears of like, oh man, are we going to build clothes on this? Tell me about that, like the different stages. 
Yeah, absolutely. So when we had first gotten the deal, actually, one of the partners on the West Coast was undergoing a 1031 exchange. And, you know, he had equity, you know, plus more to, you know, close on the deal. And, you know, we would be, you know, putting some of our own money in and actively managing with him. And, you know, him being out of state and us having a better pulse on the market, we were bringing the resources. He was bringing part of the capital and part of the asset management side. And, you know, so initially when we went in, we felt pretty confident that we were going to be able to close, you know, given the track record Colby had, the allocation and sourcing of capital. And, you know, it wasn't necessarily a scare, but, you know, as we started uncovering due diligence, you know, things always come Mm -hmm. up, right? Electrical panels, (laughs) deferred CapEx, whatever it might be. And, you know, we started to say, okay, maybe our CapEx budget needs to be adjusted. And then, you know, the investor ended up, you know, putting the 1031 money elsewhere. So we were like, okay, what are we supposed to do now? You know, luckily he had other funds that he put towards the deal, but, you know, then we had to go find another partner off the West Coast just to, you know, kind of alleviate, you know, that other partner's, um, you know, investment in the deal uh, and, you know, kind of diversify the allocation of funds per se. And, you know, it, it's stressful, right? When you yeah. think yeah, everything's going well and then all of a sudden, you know, a curveball <laughs> hits and you got you to gotta play out of right field. Uh, you know, so it's been great, you know, learning about what processes and different outlooks people have, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. In in trying to give you mentorship and advice. And, you know, I definitely lean back on other operators aside from the ones involved in the deal to say, you know, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing mm-hmm. right? But, you know, the fear is always there. I mean, I'm still fearful, right? I mean, the work starts now, asset management sure. and, you know, executing the business plan, right? Everyone always says a value add deal is great, but you know, the execution of the business plan is the biggest thing, right? Because projections don't mean anything once you close. Yeah. So that's the next fear. Yeah. But how cool, you know, as people say, getting past that first deal, it's almost like now the next few are going to kind of roll in because, you know, you kind of like break free from that fear of that first deal, you know? And obviously you're going to learn at all the different phases and we all learn things as we do different deals, but I'm excited to kind of follow your journey next to see, you know, like deals two, three, four are going to come because you feel more comfortable now with what you've learned from the first one, just getting that first one completed, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's what you hear with the law of the first deal, right? Yeah. You know, once you do that first one, it's like a hurdle is lifted off your chest. We actually have other deals under contract right now. So nice. assuming all goes well, we'll be able to close on those and in about a month or so. So pretty stoked for those as well. Are you looking at other asset classes? Is it mainly multifamily? What about mobile home parks? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So the two other properties right now that we have under contract are actually both mobile home parks. So my partner's also active duty Navy. Uh, he's down in flight school right now. For those of you who've seen Top Gun, you <laughs> yes. know, think about that, but you know, not as intense yet, right? Yeah. He might get there eventually. But you know, he's down in Pensacola. So, you know, I was like, Nick, look, we should start focusing on other markets outside of Indianapolis, right? Because we've become pretty comfortable with the Midwest, but there's so much competition out here, especially in multifamily. And, you know, we had just stumbled on a deal down in Pensacola that was actually being sold by um, an alumni of our alma mater uh, in Annapolis. And, you know, he, I approached him and he said, wow, you're doing this at such a young age, (laughs) you know, let's, uh, let's see if we can work out a deal. So, you know, I underwrote it and we actually found two operators down there who are veterans, um, who have about 150 pads down there and are actively managing. Wow. And so we said, you know, hey, we'll bring you the deal. We'll help you get to the acquisition phase and you guys operate the deal. And, you know, Colby's in the deal with us as well. And then we found another one that's 44 pads. So total, they're 98 pads, two separate parks that we're buying uh, if everything goes well and they appraise. And, you know, it's just, 
insane to see, right? You know, like the development of moving from one asset to class to another. Yeah. I mean, I've, I had no familiarity with mobile home parks yeah. until December of last year. Wow. So, wow. you know, it's a, it's a whole different beast for us. But yeah, we're sticking mainly to the multifamily and the mobile home parks for now. You know, people always try to uh, tell us about, you know, other other spaces than they seem enticing, but, you know, kind of want to focus on one area and expand as we move on. So. Sure. What other markets have you guys been looking at in the States? Yeah, so we actively focus on three markets primarily. Okay. We focus on Indianapolis and greater parts of it to include, you know, the suburbs, Carmel, Fishers, Zionsville, you know, just the greater Indianapolis, MSA. We also look at Northwest and Little Rock, Arkansas. We've just felt hmm. that there's not as much institutional money or play in that area, which gives a lot of incentive for people like you and I, right? Smaller but right. sophisticated operators to go in and take over the mom and pop shops and, you know, really add some value or, you know, for these core and core plus assets that, you know, might just be newer, but, you know, not well taken care of. A developer came in, sold it to someone and, you know, just kind of sitting there, but we focused there and then Pensacola uh, through the Panhandle, part of Mobile and the Gulf Coast of uh, Alabama and Florida. That's where really where we're targeting. But, you know, if we find the right deal in a market, we're not uh, not afraid to find the right operators and take it down. Yeah, so. no, that's, that's great. Talk a little bit about limited partners. Do you bring in multiple limited partners or it just depends on the deal? Yeah, I, Brent, I'd say it's very deal dependent. Okay. Right? So this first one that we closed was a joint venture, right? Yeah. So it was just four four entities, five individuals between myself and I, the two out of state, um, no, sorry, my partner and I, the two out of state and Colby. But for, you know, the larger deals where we're like looking at a raise of around one to 2 million, mm -hmm. you know, it's either going to be one high net worth individual or a syndication, right? You know, we, yeah. we have pretty good, we have a pretty good network amongst our, amongst our team, but it all depends on the deal and what the returns need to be. One of the things with this podcast, I'm really interested in, in helping, obviously, educate investors that haven't really, you know, gotten into the real estate vertical and different ways that they can get in, you know, being a limited partner and maybe they've had 401k or invested in stocks and bonds. This would be a great way for them to invest in something that's going to bring cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of opportunities and there's a lot of operators out there. So, I mean, my advice for, you know, accredited investors, non-accredited investors, people yeah. who are interested in getting into the space but don't have the time. Right. You know, yeah. focus on your job and what you're good at. Right. And if you have cash just sitting in the bank, put it to work. Right. Put yeah. it to work to build that wealth and to build that financial freedom that you seek to attain. And, you know, there are multiple ways to meet operators. Right. You know, you can find them on podcasts like Brent's. You can go on Bigger Pockets. You can go on LinkedIn, find different connections, different resources. I mean, you've type in real estate syndication on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you'll find yeah. at least 50 operators who, are, <laughs> who, would, who would love to do a deal with you. But I would just say, you know, any operator that you go with, be cautious and find out how to vet them. Yeah. There are multiple operators out there who will, you know, tell you that they'll take care of your money. And then when the deal goes south, you know, they won't be picking up the phone for you. So you really want to build a connection with them before you even think about, you know, investing with them, right? You know, see if they're interested in you, who you are as a person. And I mean, you know, beyond the hi, hello, how are you? Right. You know, what are your investing goals? What are your strategies? What are you looking to accomplish in five years, 10 years? Yeah. What do you want your money to do for you? Do you want it to grow? Do you want it to sit? Do you want it to be cap for capital preservation? So these are questions you should be asking your sponsor. Ask them the tough questions, see what they say. Yeah, that's such good information. Obviously, we're discussing passive investors and you know, with you now having this W-2 job, I say it again, cryptologic warfare officer, which is awesome. As an active investor, how do you manage your time? And is your goal then eventually to continue to do both or to phase out of your W-2 job? What's next? 
Yeah, so for me, I have about five years left on my active duty contract. Okay. Uh, you know, from when I completed my master's a few months ago. And, you know, I was able to balance out graduate school and the, you know, real estate investing on the side. But I think, you know, once I go down to Hawaii, what I'm really banking on is honestly the five-hour time difference, right? Because, you know, when it's 3 a.m. there, it's 8 a.m. on the West Coast. So, you know, I'm going to be trying to take meetings in the middle of the night and trying to connect. But, you know, I'm really going to be relying on my partners and operators that are in the mainland, in the States, and really trying to connect with them. And to be honest with you, Brent, you know, we usually focus on the acquisition side of things. Mm-hmm. rather than the operations and the day-to-day just because we know how limited our time is. So, you know, we're able to identify the deals and underwrite them and help you get to closing and, you know, we'll be able to attend meetings. But, you know, Nick and I being in the active duty, it's going to be very difficult for us to, you know, focus on those operations. But we have very trusted partners in the markets that we're in sure. to take care of those uh, operations and the asset management. And, you know, we're really relying on them to uh, to work out that deal. So, you know, to answer your question about the transition... You know, five years from the down the line, who knows where I'll be, right? Yeah. You know, maybe I want to stay in or maybe I want to transition out. But the goal is to continue building up the portfolio, building up the passive income and, you know, helping other people do it along the way. It's inspiring. At age 23, I'm very impressed. All right. So what we do on this show is we have two questions. Give us your favorite real estate book currently. That's a that's a tough one. Favorite real estate book? Yeah, I guess it doesn't have to be currently. It could be the past. What Something that, you know, jumps out at you. Or... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if... I, I'm going to have to go out for the cop-out answer here, Brent, to be honest with you. Uh, Are you going purple on me? Yeah, I'm going purple <laughs> on you. And, you know, I, I know people have mixed opinions about it, right? People say mixed yeah. rich dad, poor dad is, you know, more of a mindset thing. And, you know, that's completely what it is, right? You know, he's not telling you how to get yeah. rich quick. Robert Kiyosaki is essentially trying to give you a different perspective to lean on or learn from. And, you know, yeah. for whatever people may take it as, there is so many different mindset shifts that can occur just from reading that book and visualizing, you know, what you can see yourself getting, you know, within five to 10 years, how much value you can add to other people by, you know, incentivizing into alternative asset classes and businesses and, you know, building something for yourself. Now, again, I'm saying if you love your job, don't go into full-time real estate and just quit, right? If you love your job, stay with what you're doing and continue to do, you know, well in your craft, right? Because if everyone went to do real estate, where would uh, the rest of the professionals go? (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, that's why there are so many opportunities out there, whether it's an active income, passive income, you know, alternative investments, just, you know, continue to just grind it out. And, you know, that book has really helped. It's yeah. Super, super powerful. Yeah. It's, it's extremely powerful and just, it resonates with you really well. And, you know, sometimes you find yourself going back and reading it again. I'm not going to say I've done that quote unquote I have, but (laughs) it's been good. It's been a great book to just kind of read and, you know, instill. So true. Yeah, it's a classic. It Absolutely. is a classic. All right, favorite real estate investing tip? That's that's a really good one. I have two. Can I share two? Uh, so yeah, the yeah. first one is you can never start too early, right? I have I have people that, you know, impress me every day. You know, I think I'm young, and then I have an 18-year-old who contacts me on LinkedIn, you know, and then as well as my brother, and they're like, all right, man, how are you doing this real estate stuff? And, you know, how do I get involved? What are you doing? And, you know, it's it's great to hear that people are taking the initiative at such a young age because, you know, these people in these lower, you know, not lower, gener- younger generations are, you know, full of energy. And, you know, if they're even reaching out, I mean, they're taking the right step in the right direction. And, you know, for those people who are older, I would say, you know, it's never too late to start, whether you want to get started actively, passively, 
there are multiple ways to get into the business and you just have to, you know, open the door. Like, or like I said, right, bring your, bring yourself a seat to the table and, and make sure you find that seat. So, you know, that's, that's the awesome. first one. And yeah. then, uh, the second one is buy right. Uh, you know, with everything going on mm-hmm. in the real estate market right now, you know, don't, don't buy hoping for compression of cap rates and just because of low interest, right? Make mm-hmm. sure you find the deal that works for you and don't rush into a deal. That's the other thing I would say. Those are awesome. Thanks. And uh, where can people find you? What's the best place to contact you? Yeah, two places. Uh, first one is on LinkedIn. You can find me at Hirsch, H-E-R-S-H, last name R-A-I. I am the only one. So feel free to contact me on there. And you can also get me at my email, Hirsch at RivuCapital.com. Hirsch, thank you. Uh, impressive story. We're very excited to see as your journey continues to unfold. And man, all at 23 years old. That's very impressive. So thanks for joining us today. Brett, it's been a pleasure. I love the podcast. Love what you're doing here. And, you know, hope to help out in any way I can. And thanks for having me on. Been a blessing. You bet, man. Talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks. That concludes this episode of the NOI Podcast, uncovering the path to successful real estate investing. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We look forward to bringing you more great content. Till then, happy investing.